With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a post-match pint in association with Purity. If you use the code hashtag VillaView, you will get 10% off all Purity's goods and beverages. Get in. I got the code right for the first time in a while. Joined by Ty and Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. I think Neil's feeling a little bit sorry for himself after one too many Guinnesses yesterday. And I do need to apologise for how Ty looks on the screen because he appears to be a really odd shape. He is not that shape in real life, are you, Ty? But there's just something Thanks, wrong with the, with the ratio on the screen today, isn't there? Yeah, it's not mine, though. I'll be honest. So, so that, is, that isn't how he, how he normally looks. Neil, are you well? Well, obviously you're not great, but are you, are you OK? I'm OK. I'm OK. Yeah. There's worse things happening at sea, Daniel. That's... that's uh... But uh, yeah, you are right. I, I, yeah, I double, yeah, just, yeah. It was all over the place. <laughs> does not does not bode well for the for, for the show. I can't bring myself. I can't bring myself to look at the shape of Ty because he's making me laugh. And Neil's absolutely all over the place. So it doesn't bode well for the rest of the show. But we'll give it a go anyway. Chelsea three, Aston Villa nil. And it's fair to say, Ty, that really does not tell the whole story of the game. Villa shot themselves in the foot and really should probably should have been going in at half time ahead. I would say, and then a mistake straight after half-time pretty much kills the game. There was a lot of encouraging signs from Villa, a really, really good display, but ultimately we've lost the game 3-0. Yeah, we, we look, I mean, going into half-time, it was one of those that was, I was optimistic. I We were yep. losing at half-time and I went into half-time in a fairly good move, fairly lots to talk about, lots to be positive about. It's just we're a little bit rusty on the end product. Um, you know, first time with Oli and... Danny Ings back to you know together for the first time in starting at the same time and it was just a bit rough. Um, it was like you could see there was a little bit rust in the end product and Ollie Watkins. We know the products there. We we know what he's capable of. So it was just unfortunate that I, I genuinely thought at one point we were going to win the game. I thought oh, I did. at halftime I thought we were going to win two one. I thought thought we were we were all over them. They had nothing. We we responded perfectly um, from when we went one nil down and then. As soon as it hit two, the, the edge dropped and it, it just wasn't the same from then. Yeah. 
Neil, Dean Smith sprung a bit of a surprise, although we did actually half call it in the podcast on Thursday, although we did go through about five different possible formations. So there was always going to be a chance that we got it right in the end. But he matched Chelsea up with, with three at the back, kind of a, a 5-3-2 with Watkins and Ings up front, as Ty mentioned. And I've got to say, for, for large parts of the game, I thought it worked really, really well. Yeah, it's... Uh... It, it it definitely did, and it was a breath of fresh air to see it in a lot of ways because if you go back to a criticism of Dean Smith last year was that he picked the same 11, doesn't know how to play any other way, he's reliant on Jack Grealish, and then he comes out then with this, this new-fangled, really, really good setup, you know, basically playing or playing kind of tailoring our setup to to the, to the players he had at hand. And it was a real kind of eye-opener because everyone was expecting Bailey to start. Everyone was expecting potentially Traore to be back in there. And we were all wondering how they were, how he was going to fit in Watkins and Ings. And then he comes out with the with, with three at the back. And as you say, it worked really, really well. And one of the biggest things that, that I think in the first three games that Aston Villa had been having problems with was creating chances, creating goal scoring chances, actually having even shots on, on, on target or even shots in general. And uh, this system, while it allowed us to, uh, you know, keep people at home to mind the houses, such it also allowed McGinn and Jacob Ramsey to really dictate a lot of the play inside there. And they were both fantastic. And obviously yeah, Ollie brilliant. Watkins had, Ollie Watkins had, had, had a lot of chances. And, and I think, think Villa had 18 shots, shots throughout, yeah. the whole, the, throughout the game, which is something we, do, we haven't seen even from, even from a Dean Smith side of last year either. We wouldn't have seen it because a lot of the times we were scoring one goal, shutting up shop and winning games to nil. So for me, it was really, really, um, I was really enthused to see it. I was really excited to see it. And you know what? I'm really looking forward to seeing how we go, how, how we go with it as we move forward and whether maybe this was us lying in the long grass against Chelsea. Chelsea weren't maybe preparing for this and whether we caught them on the hop or whether this is something that is, is, is here to stay from a Dean Smith side. And maybe it could be something that has um, the new coach Danks. Maybe it could be uh, uh, his stamp on this as well. And, but, whatever whatever it was it was it looked attractive you know and and we got we got a lot of chances out of it yeah as i mentioned at the start only ourselves to blame really i thought a lot of what we did was very very good but if you make individual mistakes against a team like chelsea and and the strikers like lukaku on the pitch ultimately you'll you'll end up losing the game because you can't afford to make those mistakes against a world-class team but ty with that formation, I really liked the three at the back. I liked having the three centre-backs on the pitch because they're all very good centre-backs. They've all got a lot about them. They've all got really good attributes to play in a, in a back three. I liked the three in midfield because I liked McGinn, Ramsey and Louise together. I thought that worked really well. And I liked the fact that he got Watkins and Ings up top together. But the problem with that formation is it doesn't fit Leon Bailey and Emi Buendere in. So I'm not sure we will actually end up playing it that much, will we? I think that we can switch to a. I think that's where we go three four three. Um, yeah, I, I think we've seen but that. Then Ings I mean, wouldn't I'm play, would he? Or Watkins wouldn't yeah, play? But, yeah, but Ings got benched in the and then for Traore. Is that right? Or did it for Bailey? No, Bailey came on for Ramsey. Yeah, Bailey came off for Ramsey. Mm. Yeah, and then yeah. Traore uh, replaced Ings, which looked like we then went to kind of a three four three. Yeah, but I see that a lot of people have raised that. Uh, online and I can completely see and it's a very valid point to make but from watching that game I'm very optimistic but I, I agree with you there Dan I, I don't know how we're going to fit into uh, Leon Bailey in there and Traore uh, and Buendia into that shape um, I think potentially you might see Buendia in the middle if they're going to stick with that shape you know a little bit forward playing that 10 role behind the strikers 
um, which would make it like a three, four, one, two kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess we'll find out. It's one of those things where I, I can't see there being a time where we play one striker if Ings and Watkins are both fit. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think they're both going to do bits together. I think they need to spend some time together because they've only really spent time together on the training pitch. So to that uh, that game yesterday, I said today that game yesterday um, was their first real test together, and Chelsea are no pushover. You know, I, I, I didn't think we were going to get anything out of that before the game. So I wasn't too disheartened at the end. Just a little bit frustrated that we actually looked like we could have got something and we were really hungry. Um, but I think Chelsea are going to be contending for the title this season, mate. I really do. I think I they're going to it. I think, like, I've just got a feeling Man United are going to do it. They, yeah. they, they look disgraceful. They look uh, disgraceful in a good way. Like, they look dangerous. And, you know, seeing what Ronaldo... He's bringing to the team. It's brought a, a sense of confidence to their team. So, you know, but yeah, in terms of formation, sorry, mate, I'm so easy at falling off topic. <laughs> I was like, how have I ended up on Man United there and I'm waxing about Ronaldo? Um, yeah, formation-wise, Dan, it's a very good question. I think we could sit here all night and think of possibilities of how it would be possible. But I guess we'll find out. I guess the good thing is to have options because you could pick the team most weeks. You could guess what team was going to be picked. Now, not only have we got, when everyone's fit, a very good squad to choose from. I think we've played three maybe different formations so far this season already. You know, there's a lot of flexibility around that, which can only be a good thing. And if you've got set plans for, for certain games, Leicester last season, they flitted a lot between a 4-2-3-1 and a, and a three at the back. So I, th- I think it's a good thing and it will make us stronger going forward. As always, now when you lose a football match, Twitter can go into a bit, a bit of a mess. And I saw Dean Smith getting a lot of criticism yesterday, but I would say from Dean Smith's point of view, he's actually executed, well, he's actually come up with a very, very good game plan that should have worked, but has been let down by individual errors and the players not taking their chances. I think from a Dean Smith perspective, I'm not sure there's too much to criticise Dean for yesterday because I think he, he came up with a very good game plan. The, the pressing was, was very good. The system worked very well. We created chances. Chelsea didn't make much happen. We gave them the goal. So from, from Dean Smith's point of view, even though we lost 3-0, I would say he got it right. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with what you said there. Like, I thankfully, I didn't see too much uh, anti-Smith sentiment on, on, on Twitter because that would have been a real head-scratcher for me. Um, he Like, I, I think what it is, is I, I think a lot of times that, that look, it's, it's the passion for the game and, and people people just kind of lash out at every available resource. You know, obviously, Tyron Mings has gotten gotten both barrels on, on, on Twitter. I did see that, but I suppose the next logical person to move to is, well, Dean Smith did something new. We obviously didn't work because we lost 3-0, but that's not the, that's not the genesis of, of, of what actually happened yesterday. And, you know, it's very easy to turn around and say 3-0 loss is, is the manager's fault. What's he doing tinkering with this? with the with the uh, formation like that we've obviously capitulated against Chelsea but you know it's it, it, the context of, of of the game is very very important and the context of the game was that you know nationally and amongst amongst any kind of I, I'm reluctant to say rational, but amongst amongst the majority of fans, that when we look at it, look at uh, back at that game, you can see there was positive green shoots. You can see that there was something good that came from that game yesterday, provided that the result wasn't what what happened. We've been crying out for: can we play two strikers up top? How is Dean Smith going to fit it in? And he showed us how he's thinking of doing it, doing it here. And this is going to evolve, I would imagine, over the next few weeks. And 
you know, it's 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 something that uh, that I think Dean Smith can be proud of what he did yesterday. Because as I mentioned previously, Dan Dean Smith's going to get it regardless. He's going to get he's going to get get uh, the the ire of certain fans uh, anyway because he was getting the getting it more likely from the exact same pl- people last year for not mixing it up and changing it up and changing formation and playing certain players. So he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. I think it's more so just a trina loss and a, and a lash out from from the fact that it looks bad on paper more so than what the actual context of the game was. But I think Dean Smith can be very uh, can take a lot of hope from what happened yesterday. And uh, I think that he can, you know, with tweaks and as I say, we give away goals at, at at the wrong times more so than anything else yesterday when we were on top. And and to be honest with you, if it wasn't for mending goals, it could have been three three. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that first goal, Ty. As I said, we, we, the game plan seemed to be to press quite high, and a lot of times in the first half, in particular, Ramsey and McGinn they won the ball off Chelsea's midfield quite high because Chelsea's two midfielders were often dropping deep from goal kicks to, to pick up the ball, and we really capitalised on that and, and really made a nuisance of ourselves. But unfortunately, when you're doing that, if the press gets beat for the first goal, and it, and, and it did, Kovacic just played a, a lovely sweeping ball to Lukaku, which has obviously put the defence on the ropes. But you kind of feel like Axel could have done, done a bit better with it. He kind of sold himself a little bit, didn't didn't he, diving in. It's, it's a great ball from Kovacic, and Lukaku's obviously taken it really well. But it was a bit, a bit frustrating, and that's the bad, the bad aspect of when you press high, because they just got through us way too easily, like a knife through butter. Yeah, I think Axel has slid in, because he probably doesn't expect Lukaku to try and put it onto his right, because because he's left-footed, and he, he's... He, he, it was a it was a great fake shot. To be fair, I, ca- I can't knock it. It was uh, he probably kind of what you done me with on FIFA. That is, yeah. I, which one, Dan? It was nine. No, it was the, well, I don't think it was nine. It was maybe it was maybe six or seven. But <laughs> control controller issues, but anyway, we digress. You, you ordered a new controller as well, and you still ain't come for the rematch, mate. So that's, uh, that's like, fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it was one of those, and. The high press definitely got exploited with that, but that ball from Kovacic was was insane. It was, you know, it was a it was a special ball. But defensively, we could have done more. I think the three in the middle looked great, but we weren't against the likes of Kante, so maybe it would have been a little bit different if we were against him because you know, Sal had a tough day. Yeah, and he, he did, he did, and I think all three of them bounced off each other really well. I was very impressed with. Um, Dougie and McGinn, especially their ball winning, winning the ball when we're out of possession. I think they were great with that. Ramsey looked good on the ball as well. Very good, actually. I was really impressed with Jacob Ramsey. And then going forward, it felt like there was a lot of options. It wasn't a case of... It didn't feel like we were slowing the play down, waiting for the players, to, you know, because we used to wing backs that are up and down, you know, all game, up and down the wings all game. So I think uh, it was nice to be in a position where it's not Ollie Watkins on his own. You know, we've got central midfield options. We've got the target and cash coming forward. And then you got Ings and Watkins all there readily available. So while it does leave us vulnerable on the counter-attack, I was a, I was a big fan of, of that high press massively. Yeah, because Neil, we, we we got the ball off Chelsea high up and a number of times created a chance straight after Chelsea had scored with, with Watkins, which I, it was a good save from Mendy. I think Watkins probably did everything he could there. But, you know, we, we created a lot of chances. Mendy's made made a lot of saves in that game. And a lot of that was to do with the game plan, the amount, amount of chances we created, because a lot of it did come from that high press. So although we've been caught out for that first goal when they beat the press, on another day, we've created a lot of goal-scoring opportunities from that press as well. 
Yeah, and and that's what we want to see. When once again going back to Dean Smith playing to the players' strengths, like what does John McGinn do better than McGinn the was brilliant of yesterday? Brilliant. He was, he was excellent. And and Jacob Ramsey, you can see Jacob Ramsey is almost learning from him in that that ability to press. But Jacob Ramsey is a bit more meat in his bones, where he's able to to, to get in and, and and is more of a tough tackler than McGinn. But that's once again coming back to playing to a player's strengths. McGinn gets around the field, he gets his press. Now with this new formation, he was able to press higher up the field. We only played one six, and uh, and the two boys were allowed were, were deployed for a small bit further forward. McGinn was able to was able to get in around people's uh, people's um, feet and become a nuisance. And look, you know, we're seeing Dean Smith has, has mentioned that McGinn has been our best player so far this season, and that's that's hard to disagree with, to be honest, with you in a lot of the performances he's had. But you're 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 right that that this high press was uh, was very evident, and it seemed to work more I think well actually definitely work more um in this game and actually kind of going back to when you guys were talking about Buendia that's something that Buendia was was um kind of lauded for at, at Norwich granted it was in the championship and he is a more attacking player but he doesn't shirk his responsibilities in getting pressures and presses now he's not the best tackler in the world but then you know if you can think about this formation that we're playing and maybe the interchangeability and I just bigged up Jacob Ramsey there, but if Buendia comes into that role and you've got the two of those guys literally emptying the tank for 60, 70 minutes and then whichever one isn't started, whether it be Buendia or Ramsey comes off the bench to continue that press, to continue that high octane um, ability to get in, get around in those areas, make sure that defensive midfielders don't have an opportunity to settle on the ball make sure that the, that the one of uh, if, if we're playing against a team with three at the back make sure that the player in that three at the back the one that, that everybody that is being designated to be free almost like a sweeper situation make sure they don't have time to come out come out of defense with the ball if you think back to when we beat Liverpool 7-2 that's one thing that uh that 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 Aston Villa did really well. They stood down on Fabinho, I think it was, who played in, in defensive midfield role that day. They stood down him. They didn't let him get, to, get become that pivot point in and around there. And, um, you know, Dean Smith seems to kind of, he seems to favour that, but maybe we haven't had the opportunity to do it as much this year because we were too busy on our heels going backwards as opposed to be able to press up top. So, look, it's, it, it is exciting. It isn't the full, finished product, but... Um, that is definitely something that was evident yesterday, and it'll be interesting to see how it is going going on into the, to this murderous row of games that we have coming up in September. Yeah, Ty, yesterday convinced me with McGinn, actually, that you, we do need to get the shackles off him a little bit. At times, he's played deep, and I think he's done a decent job there at times. But when you see him playing that, that, that way he played yesterday, you, you realise that we, we've got to get the shackles off him a little bit because he looks leaner, he looks hungry, and he, he looks a lot fitter than he, than he has done for the last couple of years. You, you can see he's been working in the, in the summer. I think he said himself that he's cut certain things out, out of his diet. You know, when, he, when he's like that, you need him higher at the pitch or to give him the freedom to get around the pitch a bit more. You don't really want him sitting like he has done at times for us. Yeah, it was nice to see him get forward. I like that, especially when we've got three in the middle. I think it's nice to let one wonder a little bit because his work rate, he can wonder because he will put the legs in around the pitch. You know, he, he he's everywhere. So I, I, I would like to see him play that role throughout the season. It's just whether we keep that formation that's going to be, you know, a big question. I mean, you know, I don't think we'll play it next week. I literally, I think it'll be for specific games. Yeah, yeah I thought um, it worked well. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's just one of those where, well, what do we play when we if if we're going to have two up top all season? You know, it's quite limited in terms of what we can, you know, do with what we've got available. So, 
it's it's an interesting thing that's gonna you know it's gonna be interesting. But I think McGinn, especially with Sanson being fit again, cue the memes. With Sanson being fit again, I think it's uh, it puts good pressure on him as well. I can't see that dance. I was going to say this. I mean, you're presuming my eyesight is better, better than yours. I'm, old, I'm older than you. I can't. Yeah, but I can't you're looking on a you. PC. I'm looking on a mobile phone. No, that's true. I mean, I still can't see it, so that's so that's not great. I mean, I pre- I appreciate the word that's gone into the stats. Absolutely excellent. I mean, hopefully, maybe Neil can see. It. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I can just <laughs> yep. about make out the McGinn's average rating was seven point. Is that an eight four? Who who knows? I can't actually I can't actually say, but some some lovely work on the stats. But we're not going to discuss them too much because basically none of us can read them at all. Uh, Ramsey as, as well, Neil. I thought in that his first game against Wolves, I thought he was absolutely excellent. The game we won one 0 at Molyneux, and then every other time I saw him last season, I thought he perhaps played it a little bit safe or was played a little bit too far forward, which I didn't think was his best position. But again, you feel like he's gone away in the summer and has done some work, done done some bulking up, and he's driving now with the ball. And how encouraging is it that you know he's driving against a team like Chelsea and managing to carry the ball from the halfway line into the penalty area and make stuff happen? Yeah, he's he's nailing down the position. I think that's the biggest thing. Biggest difference for Jacob Ramsey is that like last year he was I'm not gonna say that he was forced to play out wide, but he was brought on in like a wide right position at times. Um and and, and it it's maybe he was kind of he's he's a guy that needs to be in and around the ball, uh in and around the play more so, I suppose, really than the ball. And and you can see that because he just wants to from from like he he's an energy player as opposed to a tactically adept adept player playing him out wider probably wasn't the right thing I think for for his own development he he obviously understood that during the summer went away and worked in his game and he's now uh you know the bell of the ball for Dean Smith because he's keeping you know he's 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 keeping that shirt and he's keeping that position and you know from a relative position whereby and and we aren't the finished article as I said in midfield yet that's obvious but. With each passing game, and yes, we're not getting the results, but with each passing game, I'm becoming more and more confident with our midfielders in general because yes, that's fair. we've seen we've seen so many of them, and and it was it was a, it was a valid, and it still will be a valid criticism that we didn't get in maybe one more midfielder. But you know, we've seen Jacob Ramsey coming of age, if you want to call it that. Maybe it's a bit, a bit uh, premature to say that. We've seen Karen Chukmoeke come on and look like he's looking. I, I can't think of any other Aston Villa player that was 17 that's come on and looked as assured on the, on the ball as, as he did. Maybe Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry, yeah. yeah. There we go. Maybe Gareth Barry. But, you know, so so this midfield is, you know, there's, 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 there's a lot of potential in this midfield. And, you know, obviously Jacob's brother, Aaron, is, is, is tipping and poking in around, the, in around the, the first team squad as well. So it's, um, it, but it, it, all, it all comes down to the fact that it, if you're going to work, you're going to get rewarded, it looks like, by Dean Smith here. And Jacob Ramsey is obviously the person that's putting in a lot of work. And Dean Smith really likes what he's seeing. And hence, we're seeing uh, we're seeing Jacob Ramsey in the starting lineup week in, week out now. Yeah, I should apologise on behalf of the producer, Adam Bates, there. When Neil was talking, my face was left on the screen for way too long. And absolutely nobody wanted to say that. I could say he was disgusted with himself when he switched the screen. That's what it should be. So, yeah, I'll apologise. Apologise, sorry. Oh, I didn't see that. I, I could see both of you. No, I was there for ages, mate. I was there for way too long. Just, I think you were just staring at yourself, Dan, to be way fair. Way too long. Oh, I, I wasn't. I didn't like it. Speaking of that, Dan, someone actually came up to me last night when I was on a night out and said, oh, Dan Bardell, uh, I've never been more insulted in my life. <laughs> I mean, looking at you on that screen in that odd shape, I, I feel quite insulted myself, to be honest, that someone mistook, mistook you for me. <laughs> right, let's move on to the second half. Because Villa created a lot of chances. We all, th- I think we went into half time thinking if Villa play like that again, we'll, we'll definitely score. 
But this is, unfortunately, it is Aston Villa Football Club tie and a mistake was made in, in the 48th, 49th minute that kills the game. Mings has got previous. I'm not disputing that. He, he makes mistakes. He, so, he sold a few back passes short. He, we've come out on Twitter tie and he, he said himself, he's held his hands up. He, he knows he's made a mistake. He does need to cut it out. He, he's got so much credit in the bank. I find it very, very difficult to, to criticise him. And he is our leader. I think he's such an important, important man for this team. But it's a bad mistake. And ultimately, that has cost us the game. I'm I'm all for um, criticism where it's due. There were, there, there's just a way to word things on yeah. social media. And there, there was one comment I've uh, seen. And I think you probably know which one comment that I'm on about Dan, where someone mentioned... The, the mental health side of it, which is just, that's where I have an issue with people having an opinion of where someone tries to bring someone's personal mental health situation uh, uh, in, in a reason of why they've made a mistake in their job. And criticism is criticism where it's due. I try and avoid topics like that because there'll be nobody criticising Tyrone Mings in that position more than Tyrone Mings. He will he be, knows. he'll be kicking himself, he knows. So I don't want to be, somebody else online who's bashing him for, you know, it was poor. It was poor. It was poor that it happened. It shouldn't happen. It potentially cost us points. Yeah, we're aware of that. But we can sit here and dwell about what all the things that have happened before. But I think we can also sit here and talk about the, the, the great things that he's done because he's done some great things for the club as well. And he is our leader on the pitch. And we know that. But... Again, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and bash someone online. It was a mistake. We know it was a mistake. It's not the first. may not be the last. But we get over it and we move on. We, I, I didn't go into the game expecting anything from it. Is it frustrating that we didn't get something from it when we looked so good collectively? Yes. But I, I, I just don't want to sit here and be negative and bash someone for, you know, for an entire podcast episode. No, I, I, we don't need to go massively into it because, as I say, Tyra Mings has come out and apologised. He knows he made a mistake. Everyone watching knows he made a mistake. It's fair fair to criticise the mistake. It, it's a bad one. It, it, it's cost us a goal, but like you say, it's, it's the way you go about things sometimes. And some of the stuff I saw yesterday, it just, it's incomprehensible to me that you would that you would go down that route and have a, have a go at someone who's been quite open about, about his mental health and the use of a, a sports psychiatrist, Neil, because... You know, you need more people like that in the world, high-profile athletes. Someone like Tyro Mings coming out and speaking like that, it'll undoubtedly help a lot of people. But it's a, it's a bad mistake. People will criticise the mistake. That, that's fine. But there's a way of doing it, isn't there? If, if anything, the way that he's responded to the criticism just shows how stable and how how, how much of a good place he's in. You know, and it, it isn't, like, if anything, it's it completely flips that criticism on, on its head if that makes sense, because he's a very rational response on, on Twitter. He's a response to 99% of things on Twitter are very rational, thought-out responses, and they're not knee-jerk things. And he's obviously got, got, got ways of dealing with whatever he, he you know he has, uh, he has going on and so on. And I actually think that the way that he responded just shows how, you know, bring, sometimes people bring that up in a negative context is borderline ignorance really from from that point of view that he's he's well able to to to, to deal with that and he's in a good spot and look he, as you said yeah he's made a mistake and he's put he's, he's held his hands up for it i'm after talking a bit there i completely forgotten what question you asked me and i hope that was what you asked me <laughs> no no you so, answered uh, it you, you, you answered it you didn't know then you did you did, you did oh, well to answer it you, you did well to me, answer man. it i just I said I'll tell you what annoyed me more about about the, the first two goals yesterday. It was that 
just before the game started, Todd, on the Sky Sports screen, it came up and said, oh, Romelu Lukaku's played 14 times at Stamford Bridge. He's never scored. And then from then yeah, on, you, just, you absolutely know. Why well, I didn't put a bet on? He's absolutely beyond me because you know he's coming. I mean, Kovacic scores. Oh, Kovacic has scored his first goal at Stamford Bridge. It just feels like, I know every football fan is going to feel like that happens to their team, but Villa really have got some kind of, there's a curse on us for things like that because we get done every single time. It's not just with that, though, is it? It's just Aston Villa fashion that we would look so promising going to half-time, 1-0 oh. down, but think, yeah, we're in this. And then it just literally, like, it isn't even the 70th minute. It's like still in the 40s, man. Like, we're in the, the start of the second half, and it's just like, oh. It's just the one thing you didn't want to happen. Yeah, and, 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 it, did, happened. and it It's always the way. Um but yeah, I'm optimistic still, Dan. I'll be honest, I'm still optimistic. It's very early on in the season. It's so early and we've got some really tough fixtures ahead. So I don't expect the uh, the negativity to stop. There, there's, no. I, I genuinely think there is a few people online who fully expect us to win all 38 games in the season. Yeah, that run's not great. Looking at it on the screen, I can actually see that. So that's a that, that's that's good times. I mean, I don't I don't mind the bookends of those games too much, but the, the three in the middle don't, don't look brilliant. You never know in the Carabao Cup. I mean, at least I suppose we've now shown in the in the cup we can give Chelsea a game, and they might they might rest some players, or we might go strong. You never know. Actually, Newcastle. I watched I watched Man U Newcastle yesterday. Newcastle actually caused caused Manchester United a hell of a lot of problems yesterday. I know they won four one, but they were I'd say they were pretty fortunate. I think that that four one score. Absolutely flattered them. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Neil, is that Ollie, just Ollie Watkins being back, I, I think he's our most important player. I think we look, I thought when he came on for the 10 15 minutes against Brentford, I thought we looked miles better with him on the pitch. And with him there yesterday, he's just, just so unique. He does make stuff happen on his own. I'm not saying he's creative or anything like that, but he just forces mistakes and gets himself the ball, puts his body in the right places. I actually think he's now our most important player now, Jack's gone. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, the proof is in the pudding. You know, when we see him come back and the, and the lift it gives the team and he's back and he started the game for Aston Villa with 18 shots, it's like six shots. Uh, one thing I will say about him is that I mentioned about, uh, about Jack, uh, Jacob Ramsey needing to be in and around the ball an awful lot. And, you know, he wasn't really more uh, of a tactically dominant type player. I think Ollie Watkins is, and you can see the difference there. You can see the fact he's played out wide previously and um, he was able to drift into those positions and he was, seemed a bit more comfortable doing that yesterday. Um, and the fact that the that the three at the back for Chelsea had to keep an eye on both him and Ings was really beneficial for someone like that that was able to drift out onto the wings, stretch them a small bit, and and, and I liked it. One, I'm, I'm not going to call it a criticism, but one observation I think of of, of Ollie Watkins that and, and something that I would like to see him maybe uh, brush up on. And, and you guys can can disagree with me and tell me if I'm wrong, but it's just something that I kind of I'm beginning to think is he's not the best at one on ones. He's not the best when he's uh, when he's in that situation. And that's something that I suppose will come with time for him because obviously, look, he's new to the striking position. He's only there, what, just, just so two say, years, so I, I think. This is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that will come with time. Um, just, you know, you can, I, I, he, he usually tends to need to get a chance uh, at a one-on-one first before he scores a second one. He's more, he's probably better with more instinctual finishes or getting in there in the rough and tumble with stuff. But um, no, what a player! Absolutely, if he was able to get his one one on ones correct um, and and score with a higher percentage of those, he would be a, a, a you know a latent hot striker, and he would be um, he he'd be you know you know box office. I think for sure. 
I would say sometimes. I mean, I think the first chance that was Jack was just a good save from Mendy. He kind of shifted yeah. the space for himself. Yeah. Watkins, he, he got that shot away, and it's just a good save. The second one that Thiago Silva ended up blocking, I think he took a, a little bit of a bad touch or an, an awkward touch, which didn't allow him to open up his body the way the way he wanted to, and then he was forced to go around him, and then Thiago Silva's got back in and blocked it. I, I know what you're saying, though, with the one on one, but I think sometimes it's more to do with his, his body positioning, the fact sometimes he'll, he'll make a touch, and it's not quite the right touch, which doesn't enable him to open up his body the way he wants to. That was how I saw that, that, that yeah, chance I, that he missed. I, I actually agree with that second one, yeah. I was kind of, when I watched it in real time, I was thinking to myself, if that was Bruno Fernandes, Bruno Fernandes would have manufactured connect, uh, contact with Mendy and got a penalty. And um, that, that was just the way my mind was going when I saw that. But then, you know, Thiago Silva, who rightly or wrongly was playing yesterday, uh, you know, we were without two players because we did the right thing and we let players to travel. They didn't let players to travel. They get rewarded for it. That wasn't the question that was asked, but I'd, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Once again, this, the um, the perceived smaller club gets uh, shafted in that instance. But Thiago Silva does get back, saves the saves it, um, hits him in the chest. It was calls for a handball, but it certainly wasn't a handball. But um, you're right in that aspect. I do think he took a, a slightly kind of wayward touch there, but... Um, once again, he's rusty. He's coming back after four weeks out or three or four weeks out or whatever. Um, he's still going to bang in goals for Aston Villa this year. He will definitely get into double figures. And, um, and, and and I think if we keep on creating all those chances that we've created, it's only a matter of time before he goes on a hot streak again like he did last year. Yeah, we've got away from the tail of the tape a little bit, taking a trip back to the first half. So let's get back to the second half tie-in. Like I said earlier, options to bring on. You know, Troy Ores, come on. Bailey's come on and had another little cameo. I think he'll, you know, he's probably going to start next week. Bailey, he's going to be an exciting player for us. But just, just having those options. I mean, Troy, all right. I thought he came on against Watford and made a lot happen. He's nearly scored again against Chelsea as well. He had a shot that that flashed just wide. El Ghazi didn't even get off the get off the bench. And as we get players back, we're going to have more options to change games. I mean, I think I think Ramsey might have actually stayed on the pitch had he not got an early booking. I mean, I don't dwell too much on the referee, but I thought Stuart Atwell's usage of cards throughout the 90 minutes was absolutely appalling. Villa got four yellow cards, Chelsea got one. I mean, it was summed up by Shalaba's late challenge on McGinn that he didn't even get a booking for it. It was just inconsistent refereeing, but yeah, we'll leave that to Tom Julian to defend that kind of thing because I, I thought he had, a, had an awful game. Well, although I will say, I don't think that's the reason we lost. But, you know, we've got options now. There's players to bring on and that, that hasn't been there previously. Yeah, yeah, and that's a process thing when you get relegated and come back up. Um, or for some clubs, you know, just come up in general. It, you can't build depth overnight. You, you just can't do it. It takes yeah, time. it's there now. Absolutely. And it's not, especially with us, we lost so many players when we came up. We had no choice. And not all of them were going to work. They weren't always, you know, you weren't going to get success from every player who we signed from the first season we came up. Um, it's a process thing and it's time and it's patience. and. Believe me, there's probably not many people more impatient on social media than me. Um, I'm a very impatient person with things. And it's just one of those things where we have to take a deep breath and it's going to take time. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think I think we have lots to look forward to. There's a lot of players we haven't seen the best of yet. We we, it, I think it's going to be a fun season. There was a few people yesterday who were saying we're going to be in a relegation battle. I, 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 I really don't Maybe think... I really don't think. And we, we've done nothing but progress. And I think this season will be a weird season because we're in a position without, without Jack. And we're now starting to adjust to life without Jack. And we have never had to do that, you know, in, in recent years. So 
I'm really hopeful, mate. I'm really hopeful that good things are coming. I'm excited to see Bailey, a lot more of Bailey. Hopefully a good season from Traore too. Look, can't wait to see the Ings and Watkins partnership grow and uh, the bond. You know, I, I can't wait to watch some Jal and, you know, form a, a great a great team up front and they're, they're going to cause issues up front all season. I really do believe that they will. Um, yeah, we'll score goals. There's, there's no doubt we'll score goals with the firepower that we've got now. Yeah, I think we've got loads to look forward to and we've got loads of attacking options and bringing in attacking coach as well. You know, it sets us up nicely. It sets us up really nice. We've got Austin McPhee as well. You know, we're, we're in a Yeah, we look like we'd we... score offset pieces again Again, yesterday. I know we didn't score off one. You know, chances were created offset players again, which in the back end of last season, I don't remember us creating anything from set players at all. You know, there's, there's chances being made from even from th- long throws. There's now chances being made. So we are improving. We're evolving. Yeah, absolutely. And when you, when you see Matty Cash, he's always got a towel on the ball, you know, a big, you know, a big throw-ins coming in, don't you? You know, he's... Uh... He's about to put a long one in and hopefully get a big head on it and, and we get something from it. But we know it works because we've seen it work. But I assume oppositions will be looking at what we do from set pieces and they'll they'll be able to read that going forward. So I'm sure there's more in the book that they practice on the training field that we haven't seen that we've got to look forward to as well. So I'm, I'm optimistic, mate. Yeah, Lukaku finished the game off, which he just just to show you, you need you need to be ruthless at, at this level. The guy hasn't really had a sniff all day, but he's had two chances, and he's put put them both away. So he, he shows the levels that, that we need to get to. Obviously, he's a hundred million pound player. You know, Lukaku sensational finishes, for fair play to him, but he, he wasn't really in the game. I mean, you, Neil, you look actually at what Lukaku did to Arsenal, which I'm not sure is a great barometer to be measuring yourself up against. But, you know, he absolutely tormented them. I know he scored two against us. He wasn't really in the game at all, and that—that's a compliment to the setup as well, I would say. No, wasn't in the game. No, not at all. And 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 like you know, his first goal, he was played in beautiful ball, and and uh, I'm actually trying to think of the third goal. Oh, the third goal, just rifled out. it. Yeah, rocket. Who skipped? I think someone someone uh, as Pelaqueta danced past Mings, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got got Mings turned and. Uh, yeah, but it was just one of those ones. But look, that that's the difference. Like I mentioned there about Ollie Watkins, that maybe Ollie Watkins needs to... De- and look, how do you develop something as instinctual as that? Like that, that third goal was just a banger altogether. But that's the difference. That's why he's a 100 million pound player. You said it exactly yourself there, that like when the ball comes to his feet, he has that in his locker. Um, that's why he's one of the best strikers in the world. And, you know, uh, that's probably the, the what, what sets people apart uh, as the best strikers in the world when you're doing nothing and you think that you've been marshaled for the whole game, gets a ball 25 yards out and just strokes it in, strokes at home. And, and there's no hope of the goalkeeper saving it. Like Jed Steer, what Jed Steer was potentially a worry yesterday, but he did. He only wouldn't save to make, you know, he didn't, he, he wasn't, he wasn't a weak link in what it, 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 in, in any shape or form. Yeah. He's conceded three goals, but like, he's never getting a hand to that. He's never getting like the, the first goal. Uh, that ball through was brilliant. And then the last, the, you know, the second goal was what it was, you know, he tried to rectify a mistake made by somebody else, but yeah, Lukaku is, is, is just top notch and, and he's slimmed down a, a good bit since his time at Man United and he's probably learned to respect the game a small bit more. Came into playing the game very young at Anderlecht. I think he was only like 16. He was probably a big kid playing against small kids and he was able to show, you know, he was he was relying on his physicality a small bit. And, you know, he's grown through the, all the teams and all the years that he's been uh, he's been playing the game and he's still only a youngish man. I think he's only about 25, 26 still. He's 28, um, I think, Lukaku. Is he 28? Yeah, but uh, look, you can see that he's uh, he's he's obviously putting in the putting in the effort, and his time in Italy has done him no harm. 
I've got to say, Neil, I feel sorry for your other half if you're describing Lukaku's third goal as a stroke. Jeez, they, they, that's, <laughs> that's a stroke. She must be in, a, in all it, kinds it of a, trouble here. Absolutely rocky. Stroke, it a, stroked it, it home. It, Jeez. It, it was a rocky, it was a yeah. rifle. Absolute rocket. I think we'll I think, I think we'll end, end it there. But overall, lads, I mean, we've lost three 0 to Chelsea. I mean, if you'd have told me we were going to lose three 0 before the game, I'd have probably just been like, okay. But then actually, you know, I've come away reasonably encouraged by, by what I've seen, and I presume you too from what you've said, both Phil. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's good. A nice little conclusion, and that does us for this week's post-match point. Chelsea three, Aston Villa nil. Thanks as ever to Purity for sponsoring us. And if you do want to invest in some beers and some ales, then use the code hashtag #VillaView and you will get ten percent off all their good stuff. Thanks to Ty and Neil for chatting through the game with me, and thanks ever so much for tuning in as well to you guys as well. Without you watching, there's simply no show. We'll be back with a podcast in the week, so look out for that. We'll let you know on socials when that's coming. Well, it's nine o'clock, isn't it? So your Sunday's pretty much over. But have a good rest of the evening and up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.